Hey, good morning, everyone. Are we awake and ready? Yeah. Hey, let's do something. Let's just stand up and give God a little bit more praise and worship this morning. Let's just give him some big praise in the house. He is absolutely worthy. Absolutely worthy. You guys can be seated. If you can, big welcome again to everyone who's watching online. I know we just clapped, but can we say welcome to our online audience this morning? Hey, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Hope this blesses you today. Hey, remember to hit that like button and the share button so that we can reach as many people as we possibly can with this message today. Uh, we did great last week sharing the message. We crushed it, guys, and we reached a lot of people. Let's keep that going this week so we can reach even more people this week. Amen? It's awesome. Hey, uh, hey, you guys are awake this morning. I love that. Sometimes we have to send people back to get an extra cup of coffee, but this morning, y'all are ready to rock and roll. I love that. I want to touch base on a couple of things before we dive into this message on marriage and relationships. It's going to be a great one today, so buckle up. Get ready for that. Um, but this back-to-school bash that we're doing next Saturday, guys, this is a huge, huge deal. You realize that, right? That we're not just giving book bags and supplies to, to students, but we're, I mean, we're doing that, but we're giving them Jesus too. It's amazing to me. Like, next week, what we are anticipating is probably between 800 and 1,000 people on campus next Saturday for this event. It's amazing. People from the, all over the community. And what's funny is we could have invited those same people to church today, and they probably wouldn't have come. But next Saturday, they're going to be at our church, and we're going to give away book bags and supplies in this room so when they come in, they can see our sanctuary and see what it's like. We'll have some praise and worship music playing in the background and plenty, plenty of like friendly faces to greet them as the kids come in. It's the coolest thing ever when the kids come in. It's like Christmas. They get their backpack and they go around and they get their supplies and then we're going to send them down this hallway and they're going to walk around and people are going to be posted to point them in the right direction, show them where the bathrooms are and they're going to go into the next gen room where our children's ministry is meeting right now um, just across the way and they're going to get to see that room and everything that's going on there, what's going to happen is we're going to give them a tour of our whole facility while they're getting blessed with the book bags and the prizes and stuff. And then they're going to go out, and we're going to have lunch provided for them. It's going to be awesome. Free food for those families. They're going to be able to sit down and hang out while the kids and some of the, some of the older kids, uh, I know us adults like to jump on the bounce houses too. It's fun, isn't it? So we'll have all that going on. I'll be able to jump on the bounce houses, like 17-foot inflatable slides out there for them to play on. The kids are going to have a blast. The parents are going to have fun, and they're going to get loved on, and we're going to get to show them Jesus in a practical way. Guys, that's what this is all about. Amen? So if you haven't signed up to serve for that, it's the easiest way, really, to give somebody Jesus. So all you have to do is smile and say, hey, glad you're here, while you're giving them a pack of pencils or erasers or some paper, you know, or you're outside watching kids just have fun, losing their minds on the inflatable stuff, bouncing around, having fun they wouldn't normally get to have, and you can just be there to be a part of all of that. It's the easiest way to be Jesus to people that need Jesus. So if you haven't volunteered yet to serve for that event, um, get with Pastor Jeremy. He's going to have a sign-up sheet uh, floating around out in the foyer today. If you don't know who Jeremy is, he's that, that guy that was playing the guitar and singing. Uh, he's an Alabama fan. Don't hold that against him. But he's a good guy. 
So get with him or Pastor Rachel. Y'all know who she is. She was just up here speaking earlier. And they'll get you signed up. Listen, it doesn't matter if this is your first time here at Eastgate Church. Hey, you get an opportunity to serve with us and give people Jesus. Amen? That's what it's all about. So make sure that you do that. Now, I want to celebrate something. You know, last week I came up and I talked to you about how, hey, praise God, we, we have a new septic system here at the church. That's just a big thing. It's a big thing. Um, it's just, yeah, sometimes you just want to be able to flush with confidence and praise God. We can do that now as a church. Uh, so we had to spend a ton of money on that, fixing air conditioner stuff. And we looked at the budget and we were like, you know what? We still want to do this book bag outreach. We still want to do this back to school bash, but we just spent a ton of money fixing stuff. We're coming up a little short on the budget right now for this thing. So we started talking to people in the church and I mentioned it to you last week and said, hey, we've got this target goal that we're shooting for you know, financially to make this thing the way that it should be. Let me tell you something, Eastgate Church. I said this last week, and I said it kind of tongue-in-cheek because I just know our church. I said anytime there is a need, our church steps up and takes care of business. We have got one of the most generous churches I have ever seen in my life. Really. Hey, and listen, that's why for some of you guys, you figured out that when you give to the Lord, His math is different than our math. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you, you're short on funds for what your budget says you need to have, but you put the Lord first, and somehow it goes in your favor every time. You know? His financial plan is always better. And I love that the people here understand that. Guys, this week we gave, and we gave big. We have almost knocked this thing out. I think we are literally just a little under $800. $800 to go for this thing to be completely paid for when those kids show up on Saturday. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. I love that because I've got a lot more people to call on my list. But here's what I believe. Just like last week, this week, we can give sacrificially for this outreach to see these people touched. And we can put another dent in that thing or maybe even pay it off. Wouldn't it be awesome if we just paid it off completely today? Hey, I promise you this. If we pay this thing off completely today, I'm going to go youth pastor on you. I'll do a happy dance on video and post it on social media if we pay this thing off today. All right? And it, it won't be a, a five-second happy dance, man. I'm going to get into it. It's going to be awesome. I might pull a hamstring doing that joker. Who knows? But, but, but if you can, if you can... Um, they're going to put the financial information back up on the screen for you. And we don't do this often here, but when you talk about outreach and you talk about impacting people for Jesus, I think that matters. So if you want to give above and beyond and give extra to this um, outreach to make it happen, just go to the normal giving place and you'll see under the giving link, whether you go online to eastgatechurch.cc, you guys watching online, it'll be eastgatechurch.cc, um, or you can text the... Uh, the keyword Eastgate GA to the number 77977. And when that giving platform comes up, you'll see um, the opportunity to give to community outreach. That's where you want to give. Or you can just give, really, I guess, from regular tithes and offerings and just make a note in the memo for the outreach or for you know, the book bag bash. We'll get it where it needs to go. 100% of that money is going to go there. Um, so if you want to... Um, if you want to give by old-fashioned cash or check, Terry, um, ushers in the back, if you would, please pay attention to that. I see some people writing on some checks right now. 
Um, if you're giving by check or cash, just hold that giving envelope up in the air. The ushers will come by and collect that as we go on with the service today. But thank you in advance for doing that. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. And we're going to see a lot of people impacted for Jesus because the whole time they're here, we're going to be floating around, telling them how much God loves them, inviting them to church. And I'll, I just can't wait to see what God does with it. So sign up to serve. Uh, and, and if you can, sacrificially give to help make it happen. We're so close. And I kind of wish we'd come within like $50 of it so I don't have to do a happy dance today. But, but if y'all knock it out, I'll do a happy dance, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. If you got your Bibles, open them up to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, I want to talk to you today about marriage that works. Marriage that works. Because I'll tell you, if you want to have a successful marriage, it's going to have to be a marriage that works in order for it to be a marriage that works. You know, you're going to have to put some work into it. Cruise control does not exist in a successful marriage or relationship. You've got to put the work into it. And I think, I think a lot of problems that we see in relationships and in marriages is because somewhere along the way, we hit that cruise control button or that autopilot button, and it created a lot of issues that need to be resolved. So I want to encourage you, listen, put in the work to make the marriage work. Amen? Marriage is an awesome thing. It is an awesome thing. It, it's, it's just one of those things. Somebody said one time that if you want to have a great marriage, then you have got to figure out that one person is always right and the other one is the husband. If you want to make sure there's a lot of amens coming on from that, yeah. Uh, but, but there's going to be conflict um, in marriage. It's unavoidable in any relationship because you've got two personalities coming together to try to get along with one another. It reminds me of the story of this husband and wife who hadn't been married too long. And they were just having one of those knockdown, drag out, just power struggle kind of arguments over, um, over something. And they were just, well, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this. You need to do that. Finally, the woman whipped around to him and said, you just need to grow up and embrace your mistakes. So he walked over and gave her a hug. Uh... Yeah, if it's going to be that kind of day today, ladies and gentlemen, at Eastgate Church, we're going to have some fun in the place today. Uh, marriage is great. You start off, it's just the two of you. Um, unless you've got a blended family, then the, you got the children from the get-go. But then usually you get together and the children come a little bit later on. And boy, was that a game changer for me and Kelly. My Lord. Y'all remember those early days with the kids? You guys, are, kids are a little bit older. And people would would ask us all kinds of questions about our kids and we just when you when you when you are fixing to have kids you feel like you're going to do things different from everybody else like you've seen all the mistakes that people have made and that's not going to happen to you you're not going to have the issues that everyone else had and then you have those kids and then you realize man kids are kids kids are kids and you're just trying to figure it out with the best of them uh I remember just, just recently, this is crazy, uh, just recently, Abby came up to me, and she goes, Dad, do you know about dinosaurs? She's on a dinosaur kick right now like nobody's business. I'm like, yeah, I know about dinosaurs. She said, you know that, that God created the world, and then he put Adam and Eve there, and then there was the dinosaurs, 
and then there's a flood, and then it was the 80s, and now we're here today. <laughs> you got it figured out, kid. You got it figured out. Um, but, but with all the kids, all the personality blending that has to go on, and all the give and take, um, I do believe that you can have a successful marriage, and you can do it God's way, but you got to put a little bit of work into it. Got your Bibles, Genesis chapter 2, starting at verse 18. We're going to take a quick look at the first marriage, the first joining together of a man and woman. The Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals, all the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. Whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. Adam, have fun. That's a dog. That's a duck. That's a deer. That's a cat. He naming all of the animals. Whatever he called them, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds, the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Everybody go, oh, oh, poor Adam. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. And the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, or woo-man, or out of the womb of man, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Hey, who's happy that you can be naked and feel no shame? Isn't that awesome? In marriage, of course. Not ever at church. Please don't do that. All right. That'll give Terry something different to do with his security team. We don't want that. Uh, that's, that results in a lot of showers. Don't ever do that. Uh, so, so can you imagine, can you imagine what this is like? For this couple, this first married couple in this Garden of Eden, it's paradise. Like Adam has responsibilities in the garden, but basically what they're doing is they're together, they're married, they're running around naked, eating fruit, like no overhead, no bills, no responsibility. It is just enjoy life and enjoy eating. It's amazing. And then they mess up. And Adam gets passive as a man. And he's not stepping into the place of authority that he's supposed to. And it opens the door and it allows the devil to come in and tempt Eve. If Adam was doing what Adam was supposed to do, that never would have happened. But he got passive. Listen, men, we don't need you to be passive in the marriage. We don't need you to be passive in the home. We need you to be aggressive and be who God has called you to be. Amen? So, so Adam got passive. Eve entertained temptation. They took a bite of the fruit. They both fell into sin, and everything changed. Everything changed. Now, they can't hang out in the garden. Now, they've got to work like they've never worked before. Now, they've got to deal with this stuff called sin in their lives and the consequences of that. Listen, their firstborn child killed their secondborn child. Some of y'all are doing a way better job at parenting than you think you are. <laughs> See, they, 
all kinds of problems started happening when they got off track. And, and this is what we can learn from that is that marriage is hard when you don't do it God's way. Marriage is hard when you don't do it God's way. Now, there's a world's way to approach relationships. There's a world's way to approach marriage. And then there's God's way to approach the marriage. I think God knows best. Amen? Listen, um, if I say to you H2O, what does that mean to you? Water. H2O is water. If you watch Water Boy, you would know that. H2O is always better than Gatorade. No doubt. So H2O is water. Listen, is that ever going to change? No. Has H2O always been water? Will it always be water? Is it outdated to call water H2O? No, because it's a fact. It's set. It's constant. It is an immutable truth in life. H2O equals water. Listen to me. The Word of God, just because it's been around for a while, doesn't mean that it's old-fashioned, okay? It means that it is eternal truth, okay? So what you want to do is line your relationships and line your marriage up to the Word of God because marriage is hard when you don't do it God's way. And probably some of you have seen some really bad examples of relationships. And you may have seen some horrible examples of how marriages are supposed to go. You may have come from a broken home. You may have come from an abusive home. You may have come from a home where the father abused the, the mother or the mother abused the father. Or the fighting was normal at the home. Um, but that doesn't mean that it has to be that way with you. Okay, that's the world's way of handling problems and issues. God's way is completely different. It's like the old story that goes, there were two brothers that grew up in an abusive home where the father drank and beat them. One grew up to be an alcoholic who was abusive to his family, couldn't hold a job. And they said, what's the deal with you? He says, I grew up in, abu in an abusive home with an alcoholic father. What do you expect me to turn out to be? The other one, when he grew up, he was a successful business person who loved his wife and raised his, his kids the right way. And they said, wow, um, how did that happen in your life? And he said, well, I grew up with an abusive father who was an alcoholic. How did you think I would turn out? You understand? It's how we respond to this and what we choose to apply to our lives. You do not have to carry the dysfunction of a previous generation into your generation. Okay. You don't have to carry that curse over into your relationships. I've seen people do it the hard way. I've counseled people that do it the hard way. And I sat in the office with them devastated, brokenhearted, because one spouse had cheated on the other, and then that spouse cheated on that spouse to get revenge, and they're just devastated. And, and, and the children are just emotionally messed up because of what's happening with mom and dad. And I've counseled people. I counseled one couple... They had been to two other counselors before they landed in my office. And I said, listen, y'all been to a couple of people. You can come and I'll give you a session. And that's going to sound kind of mean, but some people you just need to give a session to. You've already burnt the bridges on two counselors. Now you're coming to me. I'm just going to give you the truth of the word of God. And we're going to talk about what needs to happen to change the situation. I don't care who did what, whose fault is what. We're going to forgive, we're going to move on, and we're going to apply the Word of God. And they said, okay, that sounds great. And so they showed up, and that first session with them, it was like World War III. It was unbelievable. 
this person was throwing bombs at this person, and this person's throwing bombs at this person. Well, they're immature. I'm not immature. You're immature. Well, you're just, you get hurt over everything that I do. It's because you're a jerk. I'm not a jerk. If you treat me right, maybe I wouldn't be a jerk. You don't quit trying to manipulate me. I'm not manipulating you. It's the only way I can get you to do anything. You're a bum at the house, and I'm just like, oh, my God, what have I got myself into? You know, they're just neck deep in at each other's throats because they're doing it the wrong way. They're doing it the wrong way. So I gave them some stuff to do. They came back for one more session, hadn't applied it, and it was crazy. Their marriage fell apart because they refused to do it God's way. They wanted to try to do it their way. They wanted to remain selfish in the relationship. And I just tell you, pro tip, selfishness and a happy marriage do not go hand in hand. You cannot do it. You cannot, selfishness will destroy your marriage. You've got to die to yourself. You've got to die to yourself, uh, which becomes difficult because naturally we're all selfish people. Outside of Jesus, man, we can be some of the most self-centered, selfish people in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. Um, but with Jesus and doing things God's way, I think we've got a good shot at great marriages and relationships. Amen? So do it God's way. And I will say this. Um, in the Bible, Jesus gave this parable, and he was talking about a house that this guy built that was built on the sand. It wasn't a firm foundation. And the storms of life came in and knocked the house down. And then there was another guy in the parable who built his house on a rock, which was a solid foundation. <laughs> And in the parable, storms come in, crash against the house, and the house stands because it's built on a firm foundation. Now, I'm going to say this again, and I want you to hear me, because if you get nothing else that I say this morning, I want you to hear this, okay? It is, it is important, it is essential that your marriage, that your relationships are built on the foundation of the Word of God. Okay. Not your mom's opinion or your grandmom's opinion or what you've seen modeled in front of you. The word of God. Because God established marriage. He created the institution of marriage. He created the rule book and the playbook that goes along with what he created. He knows best how to operate within what he's created. So if you want a successful marriage, hear me. Apply the truth of the word of God. Apply the truth of the Word of God and build it on a solid foundation. Now, you may have been married before you came to know the Lord, and you say, oh, Lord, what do I do now, Josh? Well, the beautiful thing about it is you can apply the Word of God today. Even if you haven't yesterday or even years gone by, maybe your, your marriage is like a huge train wreck right now. You can apply the Word of God today and change, and it still produces the correct fruit. Amen? So, so you want to do that. And I will say this too, um, probably one of the better ways to lay a firm foundation and a solid foundation in your marriage is to make sure you have a good foundation when you're dating. Dating, I'm telling you, if, if you have a faulty foundation in a dating relationship, you're going to have a horrible, horrible situation in marriage. <laughs> I promise you, if, if you go after a person to um, fulfill you emotionally and you latch on to them and you think it's going to be awesome when you get married, guess what, baby? That tank is going to go dry 
and they can't give you something that they weren't created to give you. Fulfillment comes from your relationship with Jesus, not another person. So you got to get that right. You got to get that right. You know, um, if uh, if you're having issues physically, where y'all can't keep your hands off each other, and let that roll into. Let me. I got I got news for you. If he'll sleep with you before you're married, he'll sleep with her after you're married. You understand what I'm saying? You got to make sure the foundation is solid. Got to make sure the foundation is solid. Um, never compromise your walk with God to have a relationship with somebody else. Never compromise God's call on your life to be with somebody else. Now you have put everything on pause, and now you have said, my identity is going to be tied to that person and not God and being who God has called me to be. It's going to implode on itself. I don't know how many people in ministry early on have missed out on everything God was going to do in their life because they fell victim to this phrase, they met someone. They met somebody. They met somebody. Took them out of their church, took them out of their ministry. Took them. It's amazing. If God has called you to do this, this is not going to change just because this person shows up. This person should complement everything that God has called you to do with everything God has called them to do, and there should be peace and unity in it. Amen? So, so make sure that you start the thing off right, laying the right foundation. Marriage is hard when you don't do it God's way. And I will say this, when you don't do it God's way long enough, then the relationship gets real rocky, gets unstable, and people start throwing out the D word, divorce. And I'm here to tell you divorce is not the answer to marriage problems. Divorce is never the answer to marriage problems. I believe. I believe there's always a way to make it work. Now, there are special situations where it is permissible from Scripture, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit, but, but I really believe at the end of the day that love and grace and forgiveness can do its work, and marriages can be saved, and they don't have to end in divorce. Now, if you're here and you've experienced divorce, I'm not throwing shade on you. I'm sure that there was a legitimate reason for that. Okay, but what I am saying is this, man, you fight for your marriage. You fight for your marriage. You fight for your marriage while you have a marriage to fight for. That's what I'm saying. Divorce isn't the answer to marriage problems. It actually causes a lot of problems because now you've got to figure out what do you do with your assets. Who gets the house? Um, what happens with the kids? You've got the emotional devastation that goes along that with, with the kids and with you and splitting the families up. And it, it, just, it, just, so, it just pours gas on the problems, and it turns them in, this creates a whole other level of issues to work with. It looks like an easy solution, but it's not. It never is. Um, look at divorce rates for marriages worldwide right now. This is doing it God's way and the world's way. Really, this is really doing it the world's way. Um, a lot of people in church have the same divorce rates as people in the world. It shouldn't be that way. Um, for the first divorce, 42% of marriages right now end in divorce, 42%. So starting off, your odds aren't that good if you're not doing it God's way, 42%. And here's what's crazy. For the second marriage, the rate goes up 60%. 60% of marriages, when it's the second marriage, end in divorce. You know why? Because we figured out it's easy to throw in the towel. And probably there's selfishness that's still in act active from that first relationship that goes into the second one. And they're like, you know what? 
I didn't change from my first wife. I'm not changing from my second wife or my second husband. I'm just going to be me, and they're going to have to deal with it. 60% for the third marriage, 73% of people married for the third time. It ends in divorce. Isn't that crazy? I got news for you. If you're on marriage number three and it's about to end, the problem isn't them. You know what I mean? The problem's not them. There's some stuff that, that we need to work on in ourselves. And look at Matthew chapter 19. I just want to talk about this because unresolved problems in marriages will end in divorce. And I will say this, man. Your marriage can be dead in divorce without having the legal paperwork to prove it. And I don't think that's God's will for any relationship. Um, Jesus is out and about, and some Pharisees came to test him. The scripture says in Matthew 19, starting in verse 3. I feel you, Jesus. I know what it's like when Pharisees come to test you. It's nuts. Y'all ever had a Pharisee try to test you in life? Oh, my gosh. It is, it is an experience. So they asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Jesus says, haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female? Well, let's just stop here for a second because this is a great teaching moment. Uh, how did God create us? Male and female, right? Not a lot of pronouns in that sentence, are there? Now, I know in some circles of culture today it's popular to, to throw about 18 pronouns in front of how, how you identify yourself. But listen, um, Jesus, when he looked at how to identify gender, used male and female, too. Male and female. Male and female. I got an amen from my phone, I think. Male and female. Then he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. Father and mother. Look, a nuclear family with a father and mother, not two dads, not two moms, anything like that. Jesus is very specific in what he's doing, and I'm very grateful that he was very specific in how he defined that. Now, some people will hear that, and they will t interpret that as hate. But usually most people on the wrong side of truth interpret truth as hate. They really do. Um, we love people at this church. We love everyone at this church. We love everyone at this church. Amen? Amen? Look, I don't care what your political background is or which way you swing right or to the left. Um, homosexuals are welcome in this church. Transgender people are welcome in this church. Jesus died for them just like he died for us. Okay, he died for our messed up sin just like he died for their messed up sin. But he is very clear on these roles and the word of God is not going to change. And so for me to say, I can say I love you, but I love Jesus more because he died for me and made a way for me. And I don't want to do anything that's going to hurt his heart. So for me to adopt something that he didn't set as his standard puts me in an odd place with him. So it's not that I don't love you, it's that I love Jesus more. And I do love you, but I'm not going to back off what the Word of God says. H2O. H2O. It's always going to be what it is. So for this reason, he'll leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they ask, here come the Pharisees. Did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? And Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wife because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning.
Divorce is the product of hardened hearts over time. I can't think of any couple that went to bed happily married on a Friday and woke up on a Saturday morning and said, you know what, I'm sick of you. Let's get a divorce. It happens over time. It happens over time. It happens one argument at a time where feelings are hurt, but the hurt is not resolved and true forgiveness has not taken place. And so we'll bury it up and we'll avoid each other for a little while and things just kind of calm down and now we'll be buddy-buddy and friends again and everything's good until the next time something happens and now we've got this issue that we're dealing with plus this issue that is unresolved that will come into the argument over this issue. You ever seen this happen before? I know it's never happened in our relationships, so just for the sake of you know, a hypothetical discussion. These people that we have seen this happen with, you know, where they drag up dirt from years ago. And, and, and if you, you really loved me, you wouldn't done You did this 10 years ago, and you're still doing this today. Well, the best way to test whether or not true forgiveness has happened over an issue is wait until the next issue. Then you'll find out. Then you'll find out with that person. If it all comes back up again, listen, you've got a problem that you need to deal with. You need to learn how to forgive and truly have open communication with one another to own your mistakes. And the other person own their mistakes. And even if they don't own their mistake, that you truly forgive them anyway, just like Jesus forgave you. See, that whole forgiveness stuff, it, it carries over into your marriages too. It carries over time. With every offense and with every hurt, with every issue, hearts get a little bit harder. And that's why people drift further apart. Well, we just fell out of love with each other. No, you didn't. You ran out of heart to love somebody with because it was too hard. Okay? You need to let God heal and restore. And only he can heal and restore in that way. I let him heal and restore. Over time, those hearts get hard, and the marriage falls apart. That's why the passion dies. That passion doesn't ever have to die. That's why that trust that you used to have, you may not have today. It's because of the hardening of hearts over time, because of issues that weren't properly dealt with. I encourage you with all of my heart to make sure that your heart stays open and accessible to God, that you forgive quickly, that you heal quickly, and you don't give the devil a foothold in your relationships or in your marriages. Amen? Because once you start that process, it's hard to get out of it. Because after you've got about five or ten years of stuff that you need to deal with, that turns into a long conversation, doesn't it? Man, have the conversation. Get it out and open and let God restore and heal those relationships. You know, I don't think that, that you have to go there in the first place. I'm always a big proponent of that. But if you're at a place today in a dating relationship or in a marriage where that heart is getting harder, let me encourage you. Let me encourage you to take the time today after service and get it right. Take the time in service later and get it right. Okay? Don't let 
the enemy kill your marriage slowly over time. Keep that thing alive. Amen? Everybody say yes. yes. All right. Now, let me give you some tips that will help you from getting there. And, and these are just real practical tips, and we could dig up Scripture for them if we wanted to, but just for the sake of just talking. If you want to keep an active relationship or an active marriage, listen, play together. Play together. Go have fun. Do stuff. Do stuff. Man, I don't know what happens to couples. They think uh, an awesome marriage is she sits on one side of the couch and watches something on a tablet while he's on the other side, either playing a video game or watching a show of his own. Man, get up and go do something. Well, we're broke. Go walk around, uh, go walk around the park. You know what I mean? Get out. Go for a quick drive. Go to the Mexican restaurant. Sit down, eat nachos, and drink water. You know, split something. Just get out of the house. Go have fun. Go have fun. Play together. Play together. Yeah, Kelly and I have, have had so much fun just playing together and doing stuff. Um, that's one thing I think we've gotten pretty good. Not that we've got a perfect marriage, but it's one thing we do pretty good. Um, we play together, and it's created some really funny stories, man. <laughs> yeah, some really funny stories. We were at the, the movies uh, a few weeks back, and we're, you know how they play the previews before the actual movie starts? So you're you're sitting there in your chair for like 30 minutes waiting for what you came there to see to start. So they're playing these previews. One finishes for this movie, and there's like this dead time in between. Well, Kelly leans over in the dead time, and she whispers. At least she thought she was whispering. And she goes, that looked pretty good. <laughs> and like every head in the theater turned, and it's like looking right at us. So now anytime Kelly tells me anything, I'm like, that sounds awesome, you know, so it's great. We just pick at each other. Creates all these fun stories, though, and you get to go have fun uh, with, with, with your spouse. Kelly and I go on trips, and here's a shocker. We leave the kids. It's crazy. I, I talked to a, a couple, this is a while back, and they've been married for like 10 years and had never gone on a trip or done anything really by themselves since they had kids. Let me tell you, that's a mistake. Get out of the house and leave those kids with somebody else. All right? It, it'd be good. And here's the deal. You and your husband are going to be married after those kids are gone. You better learn how to enjoy each other and know each other now. Because when those kids are gone, you don't want to have a stranger in your home. You know what I mean? So play together. Have fun together. If your marriage is really strong, play some phase 10. Whew. At our house, it varies week to week on whether we're at that point. <laughs> Depending on who wins, Kelly beat me good the other day, but I beat her back, so I am the Phase 10 champion of the home. That's how it works. Uh, my wife likes to change rules and games in the middle of the game, so, and I will say that in public till the day I die. Y'all know it's the truth. Just hand check. Y'all seen my wife change the rules in the game, and you know about the Kelly rule experience. A lot of, a lot of hands going up. And she's always got a better way to do it. That's what she'll say. Well, what if we just did it like this? No, let's don't do it. Usually do it like this works in her favor. So, so pray for my wife. She needs it. But play together and have fun. Here's another one. Pray together. Pray together. Listen, starting a relationship on the foundation of the Word of God is great, but you've got to maintain it. You've got to maintain it. 
got to maintain it. So pray together, pray for each other. Keep the word of God central in your relationship. And everybody in church goes, yeah, amen, pastor, that's great. Okay, let's take church and put it over here. How's that really working in your home? Is God really the central focus of your home, of your household, over what you entertain yourself with, the conversations that you have, how you interact with one another? If he's really the central focus, then how you deal with conflict with one another is going to reflect his word and not your emotion of the day. You understand? So pray together and keep him the central focus. If you do that, man, listen, what do they say? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. That's an ounce of prevention in your relationship. You keep him first, and you keep all those issues at bay, at bay in your relationship because you're doing it God's way. And I think the last tip that I would give you, um, and now this is not for daters. This is not for engaged people. This is for married people, okay? Lay together. Lay together. What do I mean? I mean, go home, drop down the lights, and turn on some music. It's you and her, you and him. Uh, I'm setting somebody free this morning. What are you talking about, Pastor Josh? I'm talking about sex. Sex. Everybody say sex. I love that. Let's get it on. All right, y'all can bring it down. All right, hand check. Everybody, hands up. Everybody good? All right, making sure, making sure of the married couples. Married couple. I can't believe he played Marvin Gaye in church. Well, probably you need a little bit of freedom in your marriage, too. That. So the, the couple that lays together most often stays together. I'm telling you, it is good. It is good. It is good. I got, can I get some amens from the men? Yeah, I get some amen from the women. Not, not quite as strong, but y'all were there. I feel it. Some of those men are like, I knew this was the church for me. This whole time I've known it. Y'all hadn't talked to anybody about church in years. Y'all are going to go to work and be like, I love my church. They talk about the truth in my church. Let me tell you what Pastor said on Sunday. He said, and uh, yep, yep, have it. Have, look, go home today. Go home today. And get it on. Get it on. Get it on. Get it on. And in a marriage, it's all legal. Know what I mean? No holes barred. Man, get that trampoline. Bring it in there. Get a trapeze bar. Put a disco ball in that bedroom. Whatever. I mean, just pyrotechnics with fireballs shooting all over the place. What? Have theme music. When both of y'all walk into the bedroom, you got your own theme music that plays, you know? It's like a big WWE wrestling contest. His lights show up. Boom, here she is. Boom, here she is. Here he is. And walk right in there. You know, it's crazy. Get to have... Somebody said get a lot of emails. Hey, send all the emails you want. We'll answer them all. Pastor Jeremy at EastgateChurch.cc. It's always, always a staple. Always a staple. It's funny how men and women are so different with this stuff. Uh, like a woman, very um, conscientious of her body most of the time, very aware of what's happening.
with herself physically. You know, a woman can uh, lose 50 pounds and just be skin and bones and look at herself in a mirror and think, ah, I'm so fat, I need to lose weight. But a guy can be 30 pounds overweight in his whitey tidies and walk by a mirror and go, yeah, I still got it, boys. I still got it. You know, it's just, it's just completely, completely different mindset. But a lot of problems in marriage stem from this issue of intimacy and sex. And a lot of times intimacy and sex is an issue because of hardened hearts. This all piles together over time. But 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I'll give you all some freedom. 1 Corinthians 7, I'm going to start at verse 2. It says, but since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife. Can I get an amen again from the men? Amen. All right, each woman with her husband. Let me hear you, ladies. There we go. Now, the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise, wife to her husband. The wife, oh, snap. See, here's where the problem starts. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. What does that mean? Ladies, that means if you're not in the mood and he's in the mood, that you yield yourself to him and you both get in the mood. Everybody's like, I don't like that, Pastor. Well, I didn't write it. I didn't write it, Miss Fancy Pants. You're in awe with the Word of God. Okay? Here comes an issue of servanthood in the marriage. Now, Ladies, you're not alone in this. It says, in the same way, the wife does not, or the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Listen, guys, that means when you come in from a hard day of work and she wants to play rodeo and you don't, <laughs> that means you saddle up, buckaroo. You understand? You serve one another, and you're not selfish with yourselves. You're not selfish with yourself. Why? Ultimately, to protect each other from temptation outside the marriage. Ultimately. Um, but in a real practical way, listen, when you have consistent intimacy with one another, something beautiful that happens scientifically, um, dopamine is released in your bodies, and you literally, the way God set this up, you literally become addicted to your husband or your wife through the process of being intimate with them. It's a beautiful way that God chose to strengthen the bond of marriage between the husband and the wife. It says, do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent for, and for a time. So that does mean, hey, if he wants to and you don't, then you say, you know what, I don't. Then he can consider that and say, you know what, if you don't, that's great. I prefer you over myself right now. And we'll get some great sleep tonight see what happens in the morning. Okay. But you don't deprive yourself except by mutual consent so that you can devote each other to prayer. Then come back together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Sex is good for the marriage. Hey, if that intimacy is missing, I highly encourage you to go back and figure out what's hardened your heart and put a wedge there. There should be, look, that, that, that should increase as the years go by not decrease. That passion should, should grow as the years go by, not diminish, at least according to God's word. So 
Let's get down to the heart of this. We got, yeah, we got plenty of time left. Let's get down to the heart of this whole thing in making a marriage work. So you want to do it God's way because the other way produces a lot of conflict and issues. You want to make sure that your heart is not hardened over time because that's going to create a lot of issues, prevent intimacy in your marriage, create a whole lot of temptation, and open the door for the enemy to come in in ways that you don't want him to come in. But all of it comes down to one simple principle in dating relationships, and especially in marriage. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Your role as a man is to submit to your wife and prefer her over yourself. Your role as a wife is to submit to your husband and to prefer him over yourself. And in mutual submission, oh God, it's so beautiful when you get there, when self dies and it's not about you, your rights or your feelings. And I'm not saying you have to lose your identity, but I'm saying is you don't stomp your feet and say my way, my way, my way when it becomes about them and not you. It becomes the beautiful picture that God has created it to be. Now, when I say submit today, because of popular culture right now, a lot of people hear something different. When I say submit, I'm not saying subjugation. It's not the same thing. Is not the same thing. Um, subjugation means to control and enslave. And in a lot of marriages, that happens where you've got one dominant force and everything's got to be their way or there's no peace in the home. And if they don't get their way, they're going to yell, they're going to manipulate, they're going to whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. It's not what the Word of God is talking about. Not subjugation, but when we submit, see, we choose to do it. We're not forced to do it or controlled or enslaved. We choose to do it. It's motivated by a servant's heart. And it reflects the beauty of the relationship of the Godhead. See, marriage is supposed to reflect the relationship between Christ and the church. Marriage is supposed to be an open book reflection of God himself. And so we, we submit to one another in the same way that the Godhead submits to one another with fluidity. The Father submitting, and you got the Son submitting to the Father, and the Holy Spirit submitting, and they're all working in unity, and no one is dominant over the other. While there is a structure and organization there, they're all in concert within themselves, and the marriage is supposed to be in concert within itself, with each person submitting to the other and serving the other. And when you do that, selfishness cannot exist. You're having trouble submitting to your spouse choosing to do that? Put a check on the selfishness level of your heart. It's probably a lot higher than it needs to be. A whole lot higher than it needs to be. Um, so we submit to one another. And this is crazy when you start to think about it. In Ephesians 5 uh, verse 22 it begins to break this principle down a little bit further. And it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. 
Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Mutual submission. Now, this flies in the face of culture today, too. Okay? Because if you watch every sitcom, the woman is supposed to be running the home, right? That's not God's way to do it. Now, listen, this is not Pastor Josh's organizational chart for the family. This is the Word of God. This is the Word of God. And if you have problems with the way God set up the home, that's something you need to check between you and God and your heart. The way the Lord set up the household is this. You have the man who is the head of the home who is responsible for the final call and the authority of the home. And the woman, a lot of people think, here underneath him. No, that's not how it operates. This is how it operates. You understand? Equal in the eyes of God, equal in value, but different roles of responsibility in the home. You understand? With different roles of responsibility, they submit to one another and make it fluid, and it works out great. Listen to me, men. It does not change that you're the head of the home based on whether or not you feel like you want to be the head of the home. You were called to lead your home as the head of that house. It doesn't change whether you do it well or whether you don't do it well. It never changes in the eyes of God. Whether you are passive and you let your woman step into a role that she's not supposed to have, in the eyes of God, you are still responsible for everything that happens in that home. Okay? Just like in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve were there and Eve was tempted, she took a bite of the fruit first, then Adam took it. You know who God held accountable? Adam. Adam. So, if you're going to be held accountable for it anyway, let me encourage you to step up and lead. Step up and lead. So, together, listen, the Bible, Jesus has done more for women's rights than any other person in history. For this to even be written in the New Testament, like this one, when Paul was writing this and breaking this down, you understand women were still property. They were treated like dogs, less than dogs. They had no value at all. And for Paul to be saying, hey, boom, this is how it works. You mutually submit to one another. You're together as one, but you have different roles of responsibility. That's a game changer. It's a game changer. So, ladies, it's not that you have less value. It's that you have a different role. Okay, does that make sense? So wives submit to your husbands. What does that mean? That means that you honor him. That means that you respect him. That means when you're in public, you don't talk bad about him to all your friends. You understand? That means that you don't treat him um, less than. You treat him with honor and respect. You don't treat him as a child. It means that if y'all are having a discussion on something and y'all are kind of at a gridlock, and one of you has to make a call on it, that he has the responsibility of making the final decision on it. And then after that, you don't manipulate because you didn't get your way. You don't <laughs> and stomp your feet and emotionally try to tie him in knots to get your... No, you respect it. You respect it, and you move on. But it doesn't stop there. It also says, husbands, love your wives. Everybody say, love your wives. 
just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of the water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. That's a big statement. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. We are members of his body. Guys, we got to love. We got to love. We got to love. What does that look like? See, you got to follow the example of Jesus. All the guys get caught up on, I'm the head of the house. That woman's got to submit, submit. Yeah, good luck with that. Good luck with that. But if you're doing your part and you're loving her as Christ loved the church, think about how Christ loved the church. It'll change everything. Christ gave up the splendor of heaven to come to this earth to die for the church. What does that mean, guys? That means you sacrifice your comfort for her. Even to the point of death, you give your life for her and her benefit and her comfort. Lay it down. If you're on a boat and the boat's going down and there's one lifeboat left, she gets in the boat. You get to die. You understand? If, if y'all have just a little bit of food left, she gets the food, guys. You get six-pack abs. You know what I'm saying? You put her first. You love her first. You sacrifice yourself for her. Okay? You make sure that she understands that you love her because every woman has a certain language with which she interprets love. Make sure you're speaking that language to her. And if she loves to receive presents, buddy, you better get a part-time job. You better be ready. Get that extra money. You know what I mean? If she loves written things and, and poems, you better become Shakespeare to her. Speak that language. If she loves chocolate, you become the Easter Bunny. You know what I mean? If, if she loves physical touch and intimacy, you better become the Energizer Bunny. Figure out how to make that work. You put her before yourself. You make sure that she is loved and cherished to the point of self sacrifice for her you lay yourself down for her and put her before yourself that's how christ loved the church it's hard to say submit woman when you're loving that way you gotta love the way that the bible says to love and if you're loving her that way and and y'all are serving each other then something beautiful begins to happen then the marriage begins to work because you're putting the work into the marriage Make sense? Let me show you a quick little chart and graph. This just kind of echoes what I'm saying here. This is what you would call just a cycle of suffering in a marriage. A cycle of suffering in a marriage. That says love cycle, so we're not going to do that when we go suffering cycle. All right. So if you're not doing it God's way, and over time your heart's getting hard, and then the man, um, the man is not going to be showing the love to the woman that she needs in the relationship, so she begins to suffer. And because she's suffering and not being appreciated, she's not going to honor and respect the way that God 
has called her to. So he begins to struggle because he is not being honored or respected in a home. You want to see a man that's dead in his eyes, you look in the eyes of a man who is not respected in his own home. You look at a man that's talked down to and manipulated and played. If you want to see a woman with dead eyes, you look at a woman who is not being properly loved by her husband. The sparkle's gone. It's not there. They're just going through the motions in the relationship. And I'm here to tell you, it doesn't have to be that way. You can be in a better cycle. You can be in a cycle that looks like this. You can be in a cycle where love is the center of everything, where he is loving her the way that he should. And he is speaking life to her and speaking to her insecurities and raising her up with strength and giving her that security that only he can. And when that happens, now she's she begins to flourish on the inside and her eyes shine like they happened before. And now she's operating with respect towards him and he begins to rise up. Listen, ladies, I'll give you a little hint. If you want your man to become something, start talking to him like he is that something. Talk him up and he'll rise up to it. Like what you say, you just say, talk to your husband, you say, oh man, my husband's so fine. All of a sudden, he's like working out in the gym, echoing that. You see him carrying 15 bags of groceries into the house. Boom, that's right. I'm the man. He will become what you speak because you have the power to speak to him like no other person as his spouse. Speak life and respect over him, and he will rise up to it. And the two just feed each other as they serve each other and create this beautiful picture of what a relationship is supposed to look like biblically. So what's the big takeaway? Do it God's way. Listen. When you're serving one another, then you're in a beautiful place where self-will dies. That hardness can't take root. Mutually submitting to one another the way God has set up the home to operate. Now you got a marriage that works. Amen? Built on a strong foundation that the enemy can't shake. Now, that's good amen stuff in church, but how is that working at home? How's that working at home? Well, you say that, Pastor Josh, because I know mine and Kelly's marriage hasn't always been great. We've had our, our trouble seasons. We've had our spots that we've had to work through stuff. And every time, every time we've had issues in our marriage, it's because one or both of us has moved slightly away from the principles that God has given us in his word good news is it's easily correctable. And I tell you that to tell you today, whatever's going on in your marriage is correctable. It's correctable. And God can heal it. Amen? Let's all stand together as we get ready to close this morning. It's just simple stuff. Build it on the foundation of the Word of God. Don't let that hardness come in. Forgiveness is the way. You mutually submit to one another. Put the other person first. And if you do those things, you're in the right cycle and your relationship is going to flourish. Now that's easy and that's practical, but I'm telling you, it works. Head bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, I thank you for what your presence is doing right now. Lord, I thank you for the fun that we've had today. But Lord, I thank you more importantly for the truth that you're speaking to our hearts right now. 
it's not your will that any marriage should fail. And there may be marriages in here right now that are a million miles from that, but there are issues there that need to be corrected. And the beautiful thing is that we can do that today. So if you're here today and you're standing next to your spouse, what I want you to do is just take their hand right now. And if you're here today and you're engaged, then take your fiance's hand because you're on a pathway to marriage. And if you're single and in the house, hold your own hand and just have a moment. I'm kidding. I want to pray over you too because you're in the process of not just, I, I hate to say searching for that person because I just hate that term because it, it implies that you're not what you could be if you don't have that person. And I think you can be everything that God created you to be with or without. I want to pray over you this morning before we get out of here. Father, in the name of Jesus, for every marriage in this place, Lord, I just speak life. I speak unity and peace in their relationship and peace in their home. Father, if there's hardness there because of unresolved issues, I know those are scabs that you really don't wanna pull off in public. Lord, I pray, I pray, Lord, that they go home and have an honest discussion and fix what needs to be fixed because that road leads to a place that they don't wanna go. Lord, I know your will is for us to have the marriage the way you intended it, full of life, full of love, full of passion. More passion today than yesterday. Closer today than we were yesterday as we all growing closer together, that we grow closer to you, Father. And it just becomes a beautiful picture of the relationship between you and your church. As we submit to each other, as we're submitting to you, Lord. God, I pray that all of our marriages reflect what you've laid out in your word, Father. I pray that not one person would let pride come in the way of that, that selfishness would die in those relationships in the name of Jesus. Lord, that our, our, our hearts would return to the foundation of your word and we would do it the right way instead of doing it the selfish way. Father, that we put you first. And in putting you first, that seems to take care of pretty much everything else. That we step off the throne of our wants and our desires and put you in control. Father, I looked up every person in here that's single. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, Father, that we would realize that we don't need another person to fulfill us in any way. You are the only person that can fulfill us. Lord, that we would refuse to accept any form of substitute that the enemy puts in front of us. And we don't have to sell out who we are for a person. Lord, that person should complement what you've called us to do in every way. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we find contentment in you, stability in you, our foundation in you, doing what you've called us to do, and then trust you in your timing if there is someone to bring them into that. But Lord, we're concerned with serving you and putting you first because that's what works the best. God, I pray in whatever stage we're in, Lord, that we are operating on a solid foundation that reflects your word, that frustrates the enemy, and that 
ultimately our marriages become a testimony within themselves of forgiveness and grace and restoration and love and submission and sacrifice and it points people to Jesus because that's what it's all about Father I give you glory and I give you praise for strong relationships for strong marriages for strong foundations in the hearts of everyone here and everyone watching online in Jesus name amen and amen let's give God praise for the word this morning love y'all. Y'all don't love me back. Uh, that was awkward. Man, that was awkward. I don't know if y'all online, y'all didn't catch that. I said I love y'all and everybody just kind of stared at me like deer in headlights. <laughs> we don't know, Pastor. We, we'll tell you later on today. Hey, listen, apply this stuff to your life, all right? This stuff works. It works. Give it 90 days. I guarantee you your relationship will be stronger than it is today. Word of God never fails, never fails. Married couples, listen, do what your pastor says, go home. And uh, get busy before the Lord, all right? I love y'all. God be with us as we go out of here. Lord, I pray that we all let that light shine, that we all love everyone that we come into contact with, with the love that only you can give. Don't let us just listen to this word. Let us put it into practice and apply it to our lives. We walk out these doors, Father, let us let that light shine for you in Jesus' name.